Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Also check out our growing YouTube archive, youtube.greatdetectives.net. And we've added a featured playlist there. So you can sample one of our shows that we've completed and see how you like it. Our listener support campaign continues. Uh, as always, uh, we welcome one-time donations, support.greatdetectives.net. Today is dedicated to our Patreon supporters, patreon.greatdetectives.net. And I want to welcome Dan as our latest Patreon supporter at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 per month. And you can support the uh, show as a Patreon supporter at uh, any amount between 2 and $30 per month. It's the steady, reliable support that we receive, which allows us to uh, undertake additional projects. For example, we did the summer series because we reached the uh, $600 a month goal, and we even have a goal to launch a separate additional podcast, and that's at the $3,000 level. The more uh, Patreon support we receive, the more we can do. And the better we can do it. So uh, your support is appreciated of the Patreon campaign, patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat. The original air date is June the 15th, 1951, and this is Otto the Music Man. NBC presents Frank Lovejoy in Nightbeat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Some people think I live upside down, night where day ought to be. Funny, it's all a matter of perspective. Night, that's when the city comes to life, full of promise, tantalizing. Take North Clark Street, for instance, with its honky-tonks, dives that call themselves nightclubs, its shabby little joints... It's entertainers who've slipped. It's second-raters who never made the grade in the first place. All of them pushing and shoving to keep alive and get a few laughs. Some of them getting their kicks the hard way, no matter what they cost. Some of them not getting any kicks at all. In the daytime, it's a sad-looking street. At night, though, when it steps into the tinsel spotlight, it's alive, it's kicking, and it's full of people. And that's what draws me to it. I stood on the corner and I watched them. A little chorus girl hurrying across the street, eating a candy bar. Two dignified old Chinese walking one in back of the other. And a gang of college kids out to explore the big wicked city at night. And a street full of impatient drivers. The plain, dowdy-looking little old man fighting his way through the traffic, carrying a small black case. Out of sheer habit, I cataloged him. A Salvation Army captain and mufti, or a veterinarian. And a wild driver playing tic-tac-toe with a morgue, careening around the corner. Pedestrians jumped out of his way, all but the old guy. 
He almost made the curb when the car grazed him and threw him up on the sidewalk. I ran up to him, helped him up, picked up his hat. You hurt? No. No, thank you. I I wasn't here. It's all right. I, I'm quite all right. You look a little shaky. You sure you're all right? I, I'm perfectly all right. I, no, now, uh, please. He broke away from me and pushed through the crowd that was no longer interested and scurried away close to the buildings with a kind of frightened dignity, hugging his back case to him, his gleaming bald head reflecting the gaudy lights of the joints and the bars like starboard and port. Kind of a funny old duck. I started to turn away when I realized I was still holding his hat, and I called after him. Hey! He didn't hear me, so I took after him. He was half a block ahead and still hurrying. He turned into one of the joints. When I got closer, I saw it was called the Glamour Palace, and it guaranteed on the outside the hottest Dixieland in town. While inside, a piano player was making desultory passes at a keyboard. The drummer was moving back to the stand from the bar, scratching his back with a drumstick. While a long, lean soul with a trombone came out from behind some musty drapes, dragging one foot after another, openly yawning his boredom. If these guys played the hottest Dixieland in town, they needed a new press agent because the place was practically deserted. I looked around for old Baldy. Oh, don't you look lonesome all by yourself at the door? Even in the blue gloom, she looked tired. I'd met her type before. All over town, you see him. The gals that were beautiful once, but don't care too much anymore. She wore a white strapless number. She was fighting a losing battle with weight. And her hair, in spite of a mass of small blonde curls piled over the part, showed at least two weeks behind on the bleach. Well, don't be shy. Come on in. We're friendly here, honey. I'll bet you are. I'm Stella. You can check your hat over there. Oh, this isn't my hat. Belongs to a fella just came in here. In here? Yeah, just a minute ago. Small guy, kind of old, in a black suit, ball-headed, glasses. Nobody's come in here for an hour, except you. Stick around. What are you drinking, honey? Easy on the lapels, honey. Suit needs a press, but I like my tailor to do it. How come we're not going to be friends? Well, that's not what I came for. Sure you didn't see him? Kind of a mousy-looking man? <laughs> You'd said rat now. That'd fit most anybody in the joint. I'm positive he came in here. All these traps look alike. He probably went in next door. And if you got any discrimination, you won't stay here either. Confidentially, the drinks are watered. It's obvious you don't own any stock in this place. If I did, brother, I'd dump it. She clutched my arm and conjoled me out the door. Frankly, I was glad to get outside and get a whiff of good, clean monoxide gas. I still had the hat in my hand. I didn't know what to do with it. Randy! Huh? Good to see you, kid. Why, Joe, what are you doing in this neighborhood? I'm working. I'll wait In here? No, next door. Why don't you come in? We got some good entertainment. Come on, I'll give you a good table. Uh, uh, What are you drinking these days? Here, have a cigar. No, no, Joe, I can't. I'm just trying to return a hat. A what? Skip, it's not important. Boy, am I glad I ran into you. Have I got a item for you? We just had a baby. That's an item? After 15 years, it's a scoop. <laughs> okay, I'll make a note of it. Here's a pencil. No, no, I got one. I got him a pocket. His name is Francis Xavier McGuire. He, 
Weighed nine pounds, 14 ounces, 23 inches long, and the doctor said... Wait a minute. What's the matter, kid? Well, how do you like that? Well, tell me. Maybe I will. My wallet. The dame lifted my wallet. So long, Joe. The old lapel routine. To think I'd stood still for that chromo. It wasn't just the wallet. My press card was injured. I had a lot of dialogue for little Stella and very anxious to deliver same. I opened the door of the glamour palace and it hit me in the face. Sweet hot jazz. I stood there with my mouth open and listened to that ill-assorted, lackadaisical combo make real music. But it wasn't just the combo that threw me. I've heard a lot of jazz. It was the clarinet. Old Baldy, the guy I've been trying to return the hat to, the little man that wasn't supposed to be here, standing on that platform, blowing that licorice stick like he'd been born with it in his mouth. And I'd pegged him with the Salvation Army. Oh, my, the way he played that thing, that was more than music. That was magic. Even Stella Girl was captured by it. She and the aging Atlas who tended bar were drinking it in like a couple of kids seeing their first hop along. I walked over to them just as the number was ending. Oh, how about that, Benny? Is that music or is that music? Hallelujah. Amen. Huh? Now, let me have my wallet. Oh, it's you again. Yeah. Now, how about the wallet? So how about it? You had your fun, now I want it back. Looks like you got the wrong place again. Uh Uh-huh. Not this time. This guy giving you trouble, Stella? Oh, he's all right, Benny. Just a little mixed up, that's all. Now, look, I've gone along with that gag long enough. Now, do I get it back or do I call the cops? What do you want to make trouble for us for? We're just trying to make an honest scratch. Yeah, well, why don't you go home and sleep it off, honey? Oh, now, wait a minute. What are you handing us, honey? What's the dodge? This routine about a wallet and some old guy with a hat? Oh, yeah. I thought you said he didn't come in here. Who? That old guy up there on the platform. What old guy? The clarinet player, the one that... Well, where'd he go? You sure you're feeling okay, honey? Oh, this is getting real cute. Now you see it, and now you don't. Oh, that's your trouble. Gee, you ought to see a doctor. I will. When I get out of this squirrel cage, I'll be ripe for one. Stella fastened herself to my arm, but I brushed her off and went to the bandstand. The piano player, strictly a bot character with no expression on his emaciated face... Nervous fingers pulling harmonics out of the keys. He was obviously the leader. Uh, what's your pleasure, ma'am? Clarinet. Oh, yeah, sweet reed. Real sweet. Yeah. Uh, where is he? Did you hear me? What's that you say, ma'am? I want to talk to your clarinet player. Oh, I don't have one. Never had one, ma'am. 
You're going around in circles, Stone. Uh, Stone? You're caught in a revolving door, honey. You might get your nose caught. How did you know my name is Stone? I'm psychic. Well, I'm very happy for you. What happened to old Baldy? He turned into a mountain in California. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced. No? Benny. Yeah, Stone. This guy won't convince. Maybe you ought to impress him. Benny turned his sawtooth grin in my direction, but it wasn't amusing. It was an exit cue, and I took it. I bowed goodnight to the lady and walked out the door. I didn't believe them. I didn't believe a word they'd said, but I was convinced. I was out on the sidewalk, minus a wallet and plus a gray fedora that didn't belong to me. And it was too small anyway. I couldn't figure it out. You start out doing a good deed, end up in a maze of mirrors. Well, why? Now, what was so special about old Baldy? Why were they all protecting him? Because that's what they were doing. There was no doubt about it. But why? That's what I was thinking as I passed up the alley. Mister, please. May I have my hat? You what? And there he was, hugging the shadows of the alley and clutching his black case to him. Old Baldy, the clarinet player. I said, may I please have my hat? Why, sure. Thank you. And, uh, here's your wallet. How did you get it? It's not important. Oh, I think it is. Please, I I wouldn't want there to be any trouble or any publicity. Stella's such a wonderful girl. She shouldn't have taken such a risk for me, but... And she's like that. Warm, generous... Always worrying about the other person. Stella? Oh, yes, a fine woman. I hope getting your wallet back will take care of your inconvenience. I'm sure you'll find everything satisfactory inside. Now, if you'll just be good enough to forget about the whole thing... Wait a minute, wait a minute now. What's the rush? Let's not hang out here in the alley. Let's go someplace and talk. Oh, no, 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 I couldn't. Now, wait a minute. I want to ask you some questions. Questions? What about? Well, like about music. Clarinet. How long have you been playing it? A long time. I have your word now, haven't I, that you won't make any trouble? None of this will be in the newspapers? How can I write about something I don't understand? Sorry. Oh, now, wait a minute. He was gone, just like a piece of quicksilver he dissolved back into the darkness. It's funny, he didn't look like a jazz man, but he played like he'd been born on Basin Street. Well, Whatever. I started to put my wallet away when the thought struck me I'd better check it. My identification was all there. My money was all there. My money was all there and then some. There was an extra hundred dollars in the wallet. What exactly did he want me to forget? That Stella had picked my pocket or that I'd run into him tonight? A hundred dollars. A bribe, yeah. But to forget what? NBC is bringing you Nightbeat and Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Perhaps without the right proportions, romance and mystery don't mix. But the amazing Mr. Malone seems to have exactly the right formula, as you'll see later tonight. Then Herbert Marshall brings you a tale of intrigue as told by the man called X, 
Of course, Pagon will be along to assist Ken Thurston, international adventurer. And just a word about a new show. On July 1st, Martin Kane, Private Eye, joins the Sunday mystery lineup on this station with Lloyd Nolan in the title role. The chimes are your invitation. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. My curiosity was whetted about a frightened, mousy little man who didn't look like a jazz man, didn't talk like a jazz man, and yet played the sweetest clarinet this side of Benny Goodman, and who would sacrifice a hundred bucks to drop in the press's pocket. Well, I figure where there's a bribe, there's a story. Wouldn't do me any good to go back to the glamour palace digging for it, not the way they felt about my company. So I dug around town looking for news for tomorrow's paper until 3 a.m. when I was able to catch up with the one man who might give me a lead. The Beef. He's sort of a walking delegate, ambassador without portfolio for the musicians local, and he knows every musician since Sousa. Long-haired, short-haired, bebop, a gamut. I found him where he stops in every night, year in and year out, in an all-night drugstore in the last booth. He calls it his office, and to all intents and purposes, it is. Payphone rings all night for the beef. When I walked in, he was just finishing a call. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, yeah. I'll straighten it out for you. Yeah. I yeah, fished yeah, in yeah. my pocket for a nickel to yeah. play the jukebox. I don't know how he knew it because he hadn't looked at me. Don't play that thing. It's canned. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. dug around in his hey, pockets yeah, for a piece of paper, brought out half a dozen okay, scraps yeah. of envelopes yeah. that were covered yeah, with yeah. notations. I got it. He finally found a clean spot on one, and with the stump of a pencil that clung precariously to his ear, he made a notation. Take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Beef. What's your gripe? No gripe. Not me. I'm a happy man. Then you're not a musician. He walked away from the phone back to his booth. He hadn't looked at me, but then he never looked at anybody. He spread his envelopes out over the table and alternately made notes and slopped his coffee all the time I was there. He kept tapping his foot, an occupational affliction with him, but he never once looked up. Ah, Beef, you got a minute? Something I'd like to find out. Yeah, sure, put it there. Thank you. Uh, what do you know about the clarinet man over at the Glamour Palace on Clark Street? Otto. Oh, that his name? Otto? The bald-headed gent? Otto Frigg. Uh-huh. Uh, where's he from? Who knows? You're not going to tell me you don't know where he gets his pants pressed and where he buys his reeds. Oh, I know that. He presses them himself, Natch. He's a musician, ain't he? And he buys his reeds at Lion and Healy. Did you notice his instrument? Clarinet. Did you see the kind it is? Judging from the way he hangs onto that case, I'd say it was uranium. It's a buffet. I thought that was a lunch. I thought you newspaper guys were supposed to know everything. No, not quite. What's a buffet? Just the best gob stick in the world. Made in France, cost a lot of dough. Well, that's interesting. Mm. He plays in a cheap joint where he works for the minimum with a premium instrument. This answers all your questions? Oh, you're not even warm yet. How long has he been in Chicago, and what do you know about him? Transferred from St. Louis, worked around as a casual for a while. Been around seven, eight months, I guess. Belongs to the union about two years. You mean the local? No, I mean the union. 
He joined the musicians' union two years ago. That's what I said. Oh, you got to be mistaken. You don't learn to play like that in just two years. Who said he learned to play in two years? I said he belongs to the union two years. But he must have played someplace before. Don't you know where? We ask a guy, can you play? We say, go ahead, get a job. We say, keep your nose clean, pay your dues, that's all. His personal business, where he comes from, this, that, who cares? That's the matter. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I wanted to see Otto Frieg again and I had a, an allergy about going back to the Glamour Palace, where would I look? Now, you might try to jam. They got a red-hot session going tonight. It's only a couple of blocks from here. You can't miss it. It's on the corner of Madison. Uh-huh. Sooner or later, they'll all end up at the Big Bake. Yeah, that's bald. Relax, baby. Uh, thanks. Look, uh, will they let me in? Just tell them the beef sent you. Hello. What's the gripe? Two years. Otto Frieg, a member of the union, only two years, and yet it was obvious that he was an accomplished musician, good enough to play any place. Where had he played before? You don't go around tooting a reed without all dues paid up. Unless... Yes, unless he'd been out of circulation someplace and for a long, long time. In jail, maybe. I went over to the jam session. It was in an old-fashioned saloon that had tried to modernize itself without success. Pockmarked on the outside by a half-burned-out Mazda sign that said, Bar... Wouldn't draw much trade during legal hours, but after hours, that joint was jumping. I could hear that trombone clear out on the sidewalk. And as I opened the door, the sweet, clear notes of it wrapped around me. One by one, the others joined him. Trumpet, bass... Oh, what a sweet horn. Uh, there was a guy in a 1951 version of a zoot suit by the door, evidently supposed to check on who came in. He, uh, he didn't pay any attention to me. Man, he was living. They had a good beat going, a real good beat. You could feel it in the walls and in the air and in your shoes. Every now and then, those boys hit a combination of notes that was great and exciting. A sort of satisfied sigh went around the room. They didn't want to applaud that audience. They didn't want to break the spell. So they beat their feet, shut their eyes, and shook their heads, silently playing along with them like one man. And yet, how different they were. On their faces, every racial strain, every shade of color, and their clothes from the cheapest to the best. I recognized one of the boys from the burlesque house and a couple of musicians in hand-tailored tuxedos from a Lakeshore hotel. And on the floor, a boy, just a kid, sitting cross-legged with his accordion in his lap, fingering it with no sound and with his eyes shut. From the look on this kid's face, that music he heard in his head must have been great. <laughs> Almost forgot what I came in for. I looked around for Otto Free. He was just taking his place on the stand. 
and one by one, the other musicians stopped playing and let him carry her. I looked for Stella. There she was, sitting by herself in the corner. And I went over to her. Hi. Huh? What are you doing here? Oh, I like music. Mind if I sit with you? It's a free country, I guess. Thanks. Just listen to him. He's good. Good? He's a cockeyed genius. Yet he plays in a hockey team. So what? Oh, so nothing. Like you say, it's a free country. Just a little peculiar, that's all. Like he was hiding, running away from something. Why don't you get lost? You got your wallet back. I got too much of it back. Huh? Otto gave me too much change. Otto? Uh-huh. Otto Freed. Member of Musicians Union only two years. Where was he before that, Stella? Why can't you leave him alone? Did he ever do anything to you? Why did you take my wallet? If you wanted to find out who I was, why didn't you ask me? Look, I made a mistake, that's all. Leave him alone, can't you? I don't want him to get into trouble because I lifted your two-bit wallet. He's a wonderful guy. That's what he said about you. A wonderful girl. Yeah? Did he? <laughs> I, Stella, you're blushing. So what? I got it coming, ain't I? Look, uh, look. I'm sorry, I'm not ridiculing it. I think that love is here to stay, but but he's, he's, well... Uh... Too old for me? You guys. It's all right about age improving a bottle of red eye or a hunk of cheese, but in a man, it's no good, huh? Oh, now look, I didn't say that. What are you trying to make out of it anyway? May, December? Well, let's say July, December. You couldn't make that the last week in June, could you? I think I could. Otto! Why did you come here, Mr. Stone? You don't have to talk to him, Otto. You don't have to tell him anything. You promised you'd forget about it. You made a mistake tonight, Mr. Freed. Mistake? Yeah, in my wallet. Here, your hundred bucks. I thought you'd leave Stella alone. I, I asked you not to bother her. If you cause her any trouble... Otto, I... he's here. Otto, look. She was looking beyond me toward the door, panic on her face. On Otto's face was the look of a trapped man. He clutched his clarinet to him as though to protect it from something. I followed their gaze. Over by the door, trying to prove to the lad in the zoot suit that he should be allowed to come in and not making much headway, was a big red-faced character who, if he wasn't a cop, was a cop's second cousin. I turned back, but Otto was already out of sight. Stella was just vanishing through the back door. You don't let a story walk out on you like that, not when you've come so far with it. I dashed after them. I didn't get very far. As I hit the alley, Stella tripped me and I went sprawling. Yeah! Otto! Hurry! Get away! I tried to shake her off so I could follow him, but she dug her teeth in my arm. Hey! Oh, you're a real nice kid. Nice and refined. You had it coming. Yeah. Now, who's that guy inside that you're afraid it's of? It's none of your business. I'm going to make it my business. I'll find out one way or another. He's a detective. Oh. Well, what are they after him for? What's it to you? So he's on the lamb, it's no skin off your nose. I'm a newspaper man. This won't sell papers. Please, Stone, please, leave us alone. What do you want to do, crucify us? He's the first guy I ever knew who didn't treat me like I was a blue note. What's the trouble with you guys? Dig, dig, dig till you grind out the dirt. Are you going to tell me, Stella, or do I call that Seamus inside? Go ahead. 
Dad, call him. He's not after me. Or maybe, but if he holds you here long enough, Otto will come back for you. This I know. Okay. You win. You want a story? All right, I'll give you a story, and I hope you choke on it. Otto was a bank president in Kansas. He ran away. Oh, so that... No, that's not it. He didn't take a dime. It was car fare and his clarinet. All his life he wanted to play it, but he couldn't. He had obligations. He had a front to keep up. So one day, his job's done. His kids are grown. His son's got the bank. His daughters are married. They've got everything they need. Big social stuff. His wife's dead. Nobody needs him. He's all alone. But you wouldn't understand, would you, Stone, what it's like to need somebody. Go on. All Otto's got is his clarinet. But they won't let him play it. Jazz is too lowbrow for his family. Imagine being ashamed of Otto. So one day, he just walked away. Oh, one thing. Why are they looking for him? They gotta make it look good, don't they? Like they really wanted him to come back. But nobody needs him back there. Nobody needs him anyplace. Maybe they do. No. Nobody needs him but me. Well, your mystery man's unmasked. You got your big story. Now why don't you go and print it? Now, you won't believe me, Stella, and I don't blame you, but I am sorry. It was none of my business. Now, go on, beat it. Thanks, Stone. And take good care of that clarinet. Stella and Otto. What a twosome. What a story. Only I can't use it, so I fill up my column with dribs and drabs. I write abstractly about people making up the city, about the fireman having a smoker, about a cigarette girl putting her brother through college, about Joe McGuire's new kid. I gave him a whole paragraph. That ought to make him happy. But all the time that music is going through my head. Now on, every time I hear a jazz combo, I'll think about Otto Freak playing that clarinet, coaxing sounds out of it that can't be put on paper. And having the funny always missed with that tough little two-toned blonde listening with her heart. Yeah, people. Great institution. Copy, boy. <laughs> Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's story was written by John and Gwen Bagney with music by Robert Armbruster. Featured in tonight's cast were Bill Johnstone as Otto, Georgia Ellis as Stella, Hi Averback as the Piano Man, Ed Max as the Beef, and Herb Butterfield as Joe. Frank Lovejoy can currently be seen co-starring with Joan Crawford and Robert Young in Warner Brothers' Goodbye, My Fancy. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city 
for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. The Amazing Mr. Malone, tonight on NBC. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site, where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Oh, what a great episode. Uh, they did a really good job on character uh, development. I really liked uh, the beef. Just a great character wasn't entirely necessary to the narrative, but just so much fun and very well written. And I liked the the music, of course, was beautiful, and the way that Randy talked about it. It creates just such a vivid sound portrait. The theme of the story is one we've heard on other old-time radio programs of the era. The idea of an older guy fulfilled his responsibilities, and really wants to follow a dream that his family, particularly his children, may not approve of. I think it's fairly well done here. It does manage to create a couple of interesting uh, characters, as well as shine a lot on Randy's character. Ultimately, the reason that he kept at it was because the guy tried to bribe him. And Randy will stand aside out of sentiment or ethics, but not because of bribery. Now, probably the biggest problem with the solution to the story is we really have to rely on Otto's side of the story as told to his girlfriend. And that is a bit, I don't know, it's a bit problematic. Because one thing, if um, he didn't take very much money at all, why did he have $100 to give Randy? Particularly if he's just playing at a dive. And of course, Randy only has her word for what's really going on. But on the other hand, I think it's a situation where if Randy looked into it further and it really wasn't his business, he could do uh, great damage, even though there's a possibility she might be lying. Clearly, the story doesn't assume that to be the case. But still, after last week and not checking to make sure the woman who came to him with the uh, rabid dog that had bit a man actually had a dog, it might have been better to be a bit more circumspect. 
Our listener comments and feedback begins with uh, Dan, who comments regarding episode 2283, The Will of Mrs. Orloff, not to be confused with the awful Dr. Orloff. Uh, yep, not to be confused with the 1962 horror film. Thanks so much for the comment, Dan, and nice catch there. And then we have a comment from Charles, who says, Number one, please, no shadow. And number two, uh, what you do with these programs is preserving history. Continue it. I enjoy to listen to all these programs. Well, thanks so much, uh, Charles. And uh, that is one request regarding the shadow I can grant, which is not to do it, just because of the reasons I've stated previously, with the uh, very active effort to claim copyright on the series. Just not something I would uh, do I don't think we need that asshole. But I appreciate your kind comments, Charles. And uh, that's all for now. I do encourage you, if you're invited, to become one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 a month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And uh, check out our YouTube archive, youtube.greatdetectives.net. Join us tomorrow for Crime Correspondent. And a week from Tuesday, follow that man. And next week, we'll be back with another episode of Night Beat. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.